0: Come rain or shine, pedaling up through steep mountain climbs, athletes have been willing to endure this pain for over a hundred years now to win the most complicated and prestigious bicycle race in the world, the Tour de France, 3,500 kilometers, 3 weeks with just 2 days off and some of the fiercest competition out there. This is a true test of human endurance. Who came up with it and why? Find out in the new episode of How It Was. We'll tell you about crazy fans whose antics almost ended the race and about routes that prompted people to call the organizers murderers. At the very end, you'll find out what secret source helped cyclists to make it to the finish line. Let's go. It all started with a scandal that had little to do with sports. At the end of the 19th century, France split into two. French General Staff Captain Alfred Dreyfus was convicted of spying for Germany. The evidence against the captain was frankly weak. A lot of people believed Dreyfus was actually on trial because of his Jewish origin. The level of anti-Semitism in France and in Europe overall was off the charts back in the day. The Dreyfus affair divided French society. Disagreements over the case destroyed families political parties, and editorial teams. This is what happened to the team of Le Vélo, the biggest sports newspaper in France. The editor-in-chief believed that Dreyfus was innocent and repeatedly expressed his views in the newspaper. That didn't go especially well with advertisers and part of the editorial team. Eventually, the anti-Dreyfus part of the staff made a deal with the sponsors, quit the newspaper, and founded their own sports publication, Lotto. Its editor-in-chief was sports journalist, cyclist, and future Tour de France organizer Henri Desgranges. But the newspaper wasn't selling. In 1903, the team came up with the idea to promote the newspaper through a multi-day bicycle race across the entire country. This was not a unique idea at the time. Other newspapers also organized sports events to boost sales. But the scale was unprecedented. The creators of Tour de France imagined it would be a superhuman test of strength and endurance. Here's the route of the first race. The distance of 2,500 kilometers was split into six stages. On average, each stage was 400 kilometers long. The participants would start in the middle of the night to finish for next afternoon. They had two or three day breaks between the stages. Lucky them, those first cyclists. Today, the athletes hardly have time to recover. On the other hand, the stages are shorter nowadays. Over half the cyclists out of 60 in the first Tour de France were amateurs. Professional sports were just emerging at the time and were not viewed as a prestigious occupation. Some participants even took pseudonyms. Nevertheless, the race was a resounding success. The sales of L'Otto newspaper doubled. With other sports publications seeing a drop in theirs. The main competitors, Le Vélo, closed a year later. The Tour de France remained a successful advertisement for years afterwards. Every year during the race, the newspaper's circulation soared. The first winner of the Tour de France was this guy with a moustache, Maurice Garin. Before starting his sports career, he worked as a chimney sweep. Later, he attributed his endurance to long walks between alpine villages in search of orders. In 1889, Maurice paid his two weeks' earnings for his first bicycle. And in 1892, he finished fifth on that same bicycle in his first competition. After that, he practiced daily, became a professional cyclist, and won several big races. Garin dominated the Tour de France from start to finish. He completed the entire route in 94 hours and 33 minutes. Garin's prize amounted to almost 22,000 euros converted into contemporary currency. For reference, an average French worker of that time would need six years to make that kind of money. Garin used his prize to buy a car repair shop and a gas station where he worked after completing his sports career. The second Tour de France in 1904 almost became the last one. The main problem was widespread cheating among the contestants. The uproar forced the French cycling union to launch its own investigation after the race ended. As a result, 22 athletes were disqualified. The reasons for punishment were never made public, but unofficial sources shared several common tricks. The use of additional transport installing barbed barriers in the way of rivals, and even attempts to poison them. Also, there was the interference of angry fans. It became a huge problem for the organizers. In the second stage of the race, aggressive fans armed with stones and batons attacked the opponents of a local favorite athlete. Several cyclists were injured, and the organizers had to shoot into the air to disperse the crowd. In the next stage, fans from Nîmes were so outraged by the disqualification of their countrymen that they barricaded the route and tossed cobblestones at the peloton. Spreading glass shards and nails on the road became a commonplace occurrence. Several cyclists dropped out after injury due to punctured tires. After this, the organizer of the Tour de France, Henri Degrange, claimed he would not organize any more races in the future. Later, he changed his mind. Instead, the rules were changed. More stages were added, but each one was made shorter. The participants now didn't need to cycle at night, and it was easier for organizers to ensure oversight. Another innovation of the 1905 Tour de France was the mountain stages. Here's when all hell broke loose. Now, the route included impressive ascents in the foothills of the Alps. Only one athlete was able to climb all the peaks while still in the saddle. The experiment was still considered a success, and the routes of the future tours were supplemented with stages in the Pyrenees and the Alps. The 1910 tour was probably the most brutal. The race route then amounted to 4,700 kilometres. In the middle of it, a real killer stage. Over 300 kilometres in the Pyrenees with a bad dirt road, long ascents, and dangerous turns. Not a single participant managed to cycle through all these ascents. Even race favourite, Octave Lapiz had to push his bike up during a part of the way. Having made it through the most difficult ascent, Lapiz saw the organizers and yelled at them. Murderers! Yes, you are murderers! Not what you'd expect to hear from a champion, right? But it was Lapiz who eventually won that year's race. Grueling training was probably not the only thing that helped him succeed, but we'll come back to this later. Now let's take a look at the bikes of that time they were not quite like what we know today bicycles used in the tour de france now weigh less than eight kilos participants of early tour de france races had to ride 18 kilo bicycles with a frame made of steel tubes duralamin was believed unreliable back then its use was not allowed until 1937 gear shifts were prohibited as well Henri desgranges thought they were bad for the competitive spirit Therefore, before the ascent, the athletes had to stop, remove the rear wheel, and flip it to the other side where a larger sprocket was installed. After reaching the top, they had to flip the wheel back. Nowadays, the Tour de France features teams, including not only racers, but also coaches, mechanics, doctors, and even masseurs. During the race, the cyclists help their teammates. For example, they ride in groups. In this formation, cyclists who ride behind experience less air resistance and save power. But those first race participants could only rely on themselves. It was prohibited to help a fellow cyclist in any way, even share water. There were no mechanics on the route either. Athletes rode with spare tires wrapped around them. Something broke on the way? Fix it by yourself, or walk. One of the most striking such stories happened in 1913 during the mountain stage. Eugène Christophe, one of that year's favourites, left his rivals far behind on the climb. Victory in the stage seemed certain, but on the descent, the bicycle fork broke. Christophe had to carry the bike on his shoulders while his rivals rushed past him. Fourteen kilometres later, he reached a village and found a blacksmith there. But Christophe could not ask him for help, because it would be against the rules. He had to fix the fork by himself, with the blacksmith being allowed only to instruct the racer about what to do. This delay ultimately cost him the victory. What else comes to mind when we think of the modern Tour de France, apart from the ruthless routes? Of course, the doping scandals. It would be naive to believe that athletes of the past were without a sin. Far from it. Anti-doping laws were passed in France only in 1965. Prior to this, for Tour de France participants used any available drugs, not even trying to hide it. To curb fatigue, they used stimulants, such as cocaine, strychnine, and amphetamine. To ease the pain, alcohol, ether, and chloroform. In 1930, organizers even felt the need to clarify in the rules that they would not be supplying athletes with drugs. The 1923 race winner Henri Pellissier once compared the Tour de France to Calvary. You want to see how we keep going? He asked the reporter before pulling his entire arsenal out of his bag. Cocaine, chloroform, horse liniment to keep the knees warm, and three boxes of various pills. We run on dynamite, Henri said. We can't sleep at night. We're twitching. Doping scandals dogged the Tour de France throughout its subsequent history. They are likely to come up in the future, too. It is really difficult to withstand all that physical challenge without drugs. Anti-doping organizations are coming up with new methods to detect forbidden drugs, while coaches and athletes keep coming up with new ways to trick them. Some medical professionals are actually suggesting doping should be allowed and regulated. They believe this will reduce risks to athletes. Do you think professional sports are possible without doping? Tell us in the comments section.